It's Friday. I'm Steve. I've been running around South Africa and this is episode 8 of the Steve Talks Running Podcast. Let's get on with it. So the day had finally arrived, a day which was 10 years in the making. 10 years pretty much to the day I took up running, I boarded a train to Newcastle to start my epic journey to Durban in South Africa. Here was the site of a long-planned dream event of mine, the Comrades Marathon, the world's greatest ultramarathon. This year was the 93rd running of this event, and along with 21,000 other runners, I was going to be on the start line. Once in Newcastle, I had a seven-hour flight to Dubai. Flying is one of my greatest fears, but needs must, and I zipped up my man suit, sat back, closed my eyes as we rose to 34,000 feet in the air. Managed to watch a few films while I was on my way to Dubai, and we landed midnight local time. After that, it was a case of clearing passport control, heading to the hotel for a few hours, and then getting on my next flight. When we landed in Dubai, it was 32 degrees. It was absolutely boiling. I was up and out of the hotel at 7am Durban time and en route to the airport. By this time it was 36 degrees. It was energy zapping weather indeed. My next flight left at 10. It was an 8 hour very turbulent flight to Durban but the films kept me going. Once we landed, it was again a case of cleaning passport control. Here I met a fellow runner called Eamon who was also doing comrades for the first time. We chatted and ended up sharing the cost of a taxi into Durban. For the first night I was booked into the Hilton. I had a lovely refreshing dip in the pool and I ended up having a really good night's sleep. Thursday was Expo Day. While I was in the queue, I bumped into Eamon again, but I also met a lovely couple from Australia called Steve and Molly. We got chatting, got our packs and headed into the Expo before going our separate ways. I didn't spend long at the Expo and headed back to the hotel to check out. I was heading down to a hotel down by the beach. But once I'd checked into that hotel, I headed to the Expo again to do the whole novice hospitality thing. By strange coincidence, I ended up bumping into Steve and Molly again. We exchanged emails and discussed meeting up at some point. This was nice, because I was a stranger, in a strange city, and I didn't know anyone. I bought my bus ticket to get to the start into Peter Peter Maritzburg before leaving the expo for the second time. Once back at my hotel, it was time for my first Durban run. This was a four-mile affair in the hottest part of the day to see how I would cope with the intense sun. After my run, I headed to the local shop round the corner and got stocked up on sandwiches, fruit and milk because handily the hotel room had a fridge. By 5.30 it was dark, the sun literally dropped out of the sky and I was told once it was dark just to stay in the hotel. So here I was just watching films, stretching and doing some yoga before bedding down for the night. I managed to get a good sleep, but I woke up with a massively sore neck. 
Friday. I'd always planned this to be a do-nothing day. It was two days before the event, so I started the day on the top floor of the hotel, eating my breakfast, looking out at the beachfront and the rising sun. It was sheer bliss. I decided I would head to the expo once more to buy some memorabilia, and I ended up with a mug and a, don't call him a buff, but call him multifunctional headgear. I made my mark on the message board before heading to the Hilton for a coffee. It was intensely hot today, topping out at 26 degrees. Late afternoon, I headed out for a two-mile trot. This was to be my last run before the event on Sunday. Again, the night saw me chilling in the hotel, watching a few films. I'd received an email from Steve and Molly, and we decided to meet up on Saturday and have a bit of a chill day by the pool. Saturday, one day before Comrades. Today I was meant to be going on a bus tour of the route, but my mind had been more or less made up during the intense heat of Friday. As much as I'd love to go, I was definitely not going. Heeding the words of Comrades coach and participant Lindsay Parry, where he discussed in Runner's World of the many ways to destroy your Comrades run, he suggested that cramming into a bus with no air conditioning for six hours getting stuck in traffic, getting irritable, wasting valuable energy and mentally giving up having seen how long the journey takes by bus isn't worth it. And he's right. This way I could have a lie-in, I wasn't rushing for a bus at 7 o'clock in the morning, I was managing to get breakfast and I was relaxing rather than stressing. Sure it had been nice to have seen the route, but in theory I'd seen much of it anyways. I'd watched multiple videos showing the cut-offs, I'd seen maps, I'd read race briefs detailing areas of importance. The only thing I didn't know was what it looked like. But I knew I would soon be getting very acquainted with it. Very soon. Sunday was going to be a long day as it was. There was no point making Saturday a long day too. Sunday. The day had arrived. Steve arrived at the hotel around 1am and we headed off to catch the bus to Peter Maritzburg. Being complete novices, we were on the first bus out at 2am. The bus was cramped, it was hot, the journey was very bumpy, and we arrived in Peter Maritzburg at 3am, a full two and a half hours before the event started. While waiting, I ended up eating a couple of bags of salt and vinegar crisps to up my salt intake, and it wasn't long before I was ushered into Pen B and the event started to take shape. From 4.30 the music started with a few announcements over the PA. The pens started to fill up until you couldn't move and the 10 minute countdown began. The crowd suddenly burst into song. I later found out this was a folk song called Shosha Loza. It roughly translates as keep going, move faster on those mountains. Then Chariots of Fire played. Then the cock crows. Legend has it that in 1948, on the morning of his 8th Comrades, local runner Max Trimborn, who was one of only 44 runners, couldn't contain his nervous energy on the start line. He cupped his hands, filled his lungs and let out a rooster crow. The runners enjoyed this so much that it became a tradition and for the next 32 years, Max duly obliged. This was caught on tape and preserved to start further events. Obviously, since that 1948 event, 
with only 44 runners, comrades had come a long way. At this one, there was around 19,000 to 20,000 starting. Once the cock crowed, we were off. A mass of around 20,000 bodies lurched forward, into the dark, 56 miles plus in front of them. Half of them would make it to the finish, half of them wouldn't, cut short along the route. Some would make it to the finish line, cut short by time. It was going to be an interesting day. The start took us through Peter Maritzburg and up to Polly Shorts for the first 10 kilometres. Then it was down Little Polly's for the first cut-off. I was clearly going a little faster than I had planned, hitting the cut-off at Lions Park in 1.26, around 15 minutes earlier than I had planned. The next 10 kilometres was a touch of climbing, but nothing overly drastic, and then I was en route to Camperdown and Cato Ridge for the second cut-off, which was just shy of 60 kilometres to go. Again, I realised I was a touch faster than I had planned. I'd originally planned to arrive here around 3.20, but ended up getting here in 2 hours 49 minutes. I knew now that it was time to rein it in a bit. And here I was en route to the halfway point at Drummond. The cut-off point for this was 6 hours 10 minutes, and this was the cut-off point that I worried about the most. I made my way through Harrison Flats and in Changa and ended up hitting Drummond and halfway in 4 hours 16 minutes. Once past halfway I arrived at Arthur's seat. This is the symbolic resting place of Arthur Newton who was 5 times a comrade's winner. Legend has it that if you doth your cap, leave some flowers and say morning Arthur, he'll see you right for the second half of the journey. With about 24 miles to go I approached Kearsney College where the Kearsney boys all lined the streets and clapped every runner. It was such an emotional section of the run. I also happened upon newfound friend Molly who also gave me a much needed cheer. The downhill part was coming up. I had to be clever at this point and take it easy or risk blowing my quads with about 30 kilometres to go. I hit the next cut off at Winston Park in 5.54 sitting a good two hours ahead of the cut off time. I was doing well. The next 10k took me through Clough and Fields Hill and into Pine Town for the next cut-off, which I hit in 7 hours 16 minutes. I was still a good 2 hours above the cut-off, and there was still a bit of climbing with Cowies Hill upcoming, but also a lot of descent into Westville. I had one cut off left and that was 50 miles in at 45th cutting. I arrived here at 8.53, still a good two hours above the cut off time. My goal of 10 hours 30 was more than achievable, but there was now an outside chance that I could romp home in about 10 hours. With six miles to go, I was excited but also trepidatious. There was still a bit of climbing to do and I was starting to suffer with the heat and the fact that I had 50 miles in my legs. I'd never gone past 52 miles before, so the final stretch was going to be uncharted territory. Into Berea and a few climbs into Durban proper, and there it was. 
Two miles to go, Moses Mabida Stadium was in sight. I'd started to walk a bit at this point, and I'd all but given up on a sub-ten-hour finish. It seemed to take forever to get to the stadium, when, with one kilometre to go, a spectator shouted, Seven minutes to ten hours. The ten-hour bus is about 800 metres behind you. On hearing this from out of nowhere, my legs started moving. Not just moving, but I was sprinting. My brain was trying to work out what was going on, but the body had taken over, and I was off. I don't know how many people I overtook in that last kilometre, but it was a fair few. I hit the approach to the stadium and entered the stadium proper for the final 400 metres. The crowd roared, not just for me, but for all the runners. But that was all I needed to put the afterburners on and a sprint to the finish crossing the line in 9.56.58. I'll never forget the emotion as I crossed that line, but I'll also never forget the crowd roaring as I entered the stadium. I'd done it. I'd realised a dream that didn't seem possible a few years ago, but hard work and determination had got me to the finish. Molly caught me at the finish line. I was a mess. I'm not sure what I said to her, and I'm not sure what I said for the next half an hour, but I'm guessing it probably wasn't coherent. Steve arrived some 50 minutes later and we eventually sat down to discuss how disgusting, emotional and exhilarating the day was in equal measure. What a day. We sat for the next hour and watched the final seconds to the 12 hour cutoff. It was as good as watching any film. We saw some runners enter the stadium at full sprint and we willed them to make it. The 12 hour clock hit, the gun went off and a line of volunteers approached the finish line. No one would cross from here. Some sprinters collapsed where they had stopped. They had given it all to reach the end and missed out by seconds. Their race was run. They didn't make the finish line. We ended up walking two miles back to the hotel due to a lack of taxis. Once at the hotel, I ordered a pizza, and no sooner had it arrived and I'd taken a couple of bites of it, it was seven hours later and I awoke with the pizza next to me. It was time for reflection. I was still a novice at Comrades, and I probably hadn't needed to get to Peter Maritzburg so early. I was a bit too quick for the first 30 miles, but I was also pleased that I'd done so much hill training. If you don't train for and respect comrades, it will both humble and destroy you. A week later, I was telling everyone I probably wouldn't return for the uprun, but 10 days post comrades, I feel like Jack from Lost telling my fellow comrades runners, we have to go back. See you next year, Durban. It's been a blast. (laughs) 